Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Uh, the theme of this conference of conquer, and uh, I believe that God has just has given me a word for us tonight. It is going to be a deposit. Uh, that God wants to deposit something into your life, into your spirit, into into your your just your being. God wants to put something in you, a, a way of thinking uh, that's going to change the way that you're thinking, a way that you uh, experience God, a way that you think about your life, the way that you see yourself, and the way that you see the people in your world, and the way that you see your church. I believe God wants to do that tonight, and I'm just so thankful to be able to, just to be able to be with you. And uh, I, I do have a picture of my family. They're not able to be with me t- tonight, but I got a picture of my family. So... Um, I don't know where my wife is. Those are all my kids. No, they're not. That, she, my wife's in the middle. This was actually almost a year ago. It's crazy. They look, they look different. Um, everybody, I, except my wife. My wife does not change. She is frozen in time and does not age. Um, I, do, I do age. Uh, she's, actually, she's actually older than I am, just so you know. I mean, she does stuff to her hair. I, I don't. I don't. My hair does stuff to me, unfortunately. Uh, but tonight, I'm so excited because I want to share with us a passage of Scripture from, from Judges chapter 7, and I love it. If you have a, a physical Bible, open it up. If not, pull out your phone, if, as long as you promise not to be texting somebody and not to be distracted, but to actually use it to read God's Word and to take notes tonight. I hope that you'll do that because I believe that God doesn't want to just do something in this moment that is gone in a moment, but He actually wants to do something that's lasting. And I believe if you'll take notes, not just you'll learn more in this moment if you're taking notes, it's actually scientifically proven that we retain more of what we hear when we're writing it down at the same time. But I also believe that there's something that God wants you to go back to. There's going to be a phrase. There's going to be a, a word, maybe not even something that I say, but that the Holy Spirit actually says to you in these next few moments that you're going to want to go back to. You're going to want to remember what the Holy Spirit said. But I want to look at the story in Judges because this is the story of a man named Gideon. And Gideon is a conqueror. Gideon took uh, thousands of people, thousands of warriors, God whittled them down, finally got it down to just 300 warriors, and Gideon is now facing this massive army that cannot even be counted. Not only can the warriors not be counted, the camels are too numerous to count. The Bible actually says that the army that he's about to face is like as numerous as the sands on the seashore. And Gideon defeats them, we're going to look at it, defeats them with just 300 men, 300 warriors. He is a conqueror, he's bold, he's courageous, he, he doesn't even do it with weapons. you got to see this, because, look at it here, Judges chapter 7 verse 9, or verse 12, it says, Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as the sand of the seashore in multitude. So here's verse 16. Then he divided the 300 men. So he's gone from thousands of men down to 300 men, and now he's not even going to go after them all together. He divides them into three groups. So he divides the 300 men into three different companies. He put a trumpet into every man's hand. This is so key. You're going to want to just, if you've got a physical Bible, you can circle it. If not, highlight the verse. But he does three, he gives them three things. He puts a, trump, a, a trumpet in every man's hand, an empty pitcher, and a torch inside the pitcher. 
And when the 300 blew the trumpet, they all blew the trumpet together, the Lord set every man's sword. So all this massive army that was surrounding them, the Midianites, the Amalekites, all of these warriors from the east, when Gideon's warriors, his 300 men, blew their trumpet, the Lord goes into the enemy's camp and sets all of them, every man's sword against his companion throughout the entire camp, and the army fled. God went into the camp just simply because Gideon obeyed him and did what he told him to do with a trumpet, with an empty pitcher, and with a torch. Come on, can we pray tonight? Let's ask God to rest in this, in this message. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we invite you into this room. We invite you into our heart, into our mind, into our thoughts. Spirit of the living God, would you speak to us tonight? Would you use your word like a tool in the hand of a surgeon? And would you skillfully bring healing? Would you skillfully remove what needs to be removed in us tonight? And would you skillfully place in us what needs to be placed in us tonight? We trust you, Father. We're open to you tonight. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, would you say amen? amen. Would, you, would you agree that Gideon conquered this other army, that he was a conqueror. I mean, he defeated this massive army. They all ran. I mean, picture this, just picture this for a minute. This valley is full of warriors. He walks, he sees it. He doesn't run away. He sees the valley full of warriors. Cannot even be numbered. And he turns around and he looks at his 300 warriors. And he still moves forward. He still obeys God. He gives them what they need. He doesn't give them a sword. He doesn't give them a, you know, a bazooka or a tank or any, a knife even, a sword even. He doesn't give them anything to fight with. He gives them a trumpet, an empty pitcher, not even anything in the pitcher, not any water, nothing. It's empty, completely empty. Gives them an empty clay pitcher and a torch inside the pitcher. And they defeat the army. He conquers the army. Now, I don't know about you. My mind goes, this is like, this is our city. This is lost people. This is people that are resisting the gospel. And God isn't telling us to go out and fight the enemy. He's telling us to go and just simply obey him. Bring the trumpet of praise. Bring our, ourselves empty. Break ourselves. Allow ourselves to be broken. Allow the torch of the Holy Spirit to burn bright on the inside of us so our city can experience, so that the enemy can flee, but those that receive Jesus can stay. God wants to move and he wants to revive our city. And that's what this is all about, about being a people that will conquer, that will be conquerors, that will go and do what God has called us to do, to see other people's lives changed for eternity, that they'll never be the same again. But Gideon, he doesn't start here. Gideon doesn't start in a place where he's so courageous that he could walk up to an, uh, an innumerable, innumerable army. He doesn't start there. He doesn't start in a place where he's like, all right, we got 300 and they've got a billion. Okay, I want you 100, you go over here, you 100, you go over here, and I'm going to take my 100, we're going to go in over here, and when you hear me blow the trumpet, you all blow your trumpet at the same time. I don't know about you, but I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm going on the other side. I'm going to be with the army. That, that, that's all he did. That's all he did, but he didn't start there. Look at where he started. Go back to Judges chapter 6. Take a look at this. Judges 6-2. Where do we find Gideon? Before this conquering 
general, this conquering warrior, this conquering follower of Jesus that is not moved by what he sees, he's not moved by what he hears, except the voice of God's the only thing that moves him, and he'll go and do whatever God says, even when all of the obstacles around him seem ridiculously impossible, he's just not moved by it, he doesn't start there. He starts here in Judges 6-2, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, Because of the Midianites, this is the same army that Gideon defeats a chapter later, but here a chapter earlier we find Gideon looking a lot like us, a lot like me. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens and the caves and the strongholds which are in all of the mountains. Here's just a few thoughts. You might want to write these down, a few points of where we find Gideon. What was Gideon like before he was a conqueror? Number one, Gideon lived in a culture of fear. He lived in a culture of fear. Not just, he didn't just live himself in fear. He was surrounded by a family that was full of fear. He was surrounded by a people that were full of fear. His culture, his community, his people group were afraid of the enemy. So much so, it just, it, it consumed them. They couldn't imagine, oh no, no, our, our culture, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about Jesus. No, 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 no. We, we, our family, no, no, we, we don't pray over, we don't pray out in public over a dinner at a meal. No, 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 we don't, we don't give God honor. No, we don't do that. No, we don't give. We don't, we don't bring our tithe 10%. Our call, we, no, we don't do that. We're, we're just, we're just, we, what we get, we hold on to, and we take care of us and ours, but we're not generous. Our call, because we don't know if there'll be another, we don't know if we'll get another job. We don't know if there'll be another. They just live in a culture of fear. No, no, we can't. We really, our time, I don't know, I, no, we can't take our kids, no, no, we, well, we can't take our kids there, we don't want our kids, to, no, I don't know, just culture of fear consumed Gideon. It doesn't even look like the guy we see a chapter later. It doesn't look like the guy that with 299 others that said, just blow your trumpet when I blow my trumpet and smash your pitcher when I smash my pitcher and wave your torch when I wave my torch, just, that's all we're going to do. It doesn't seem like that guy because that Gideon a chapter later I mean, he's full of of fire, he's full of power, he's full of courage. This Gideon here is surrounded by fear. I mean, the dens, when it says dens, it's it's representative of like a trench in the ground. When you look it up in the original language, which I did, it's it's just a trench, it's a hole, it's like a crevice in the ground. Basically, they would lie in these little crevices in the ground, and the warriors, the Midianites, when they would go and besiege the land, they would just kind of walk past them, and they're hoping if if I'm under, if, if I'm down low enough, if I'm in the this hole, still visible if you, if you look down and into the crevice, you'll see me. But if you're not looking down, you're just walking. You might walk like right past me. They were literally hiding in clear sight. How many of us do that? We're just hiding in plain sight. You can see me, but you really can't see me. I know I'm here in this room, and you see me, but you really don't see me. You really, I'm not going to show you, I'm not going to present myself, I'm not going to stand upright, I'm not going to show you who I really am, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide in plain sight because I don't want you to know the real me. In caves, caves were like caverns, they were dark, this was, this was hiding in darkness, now I'm not even going to come out, I'm going to find a cave to hide in, and then they would be in strongholds, and a stronghold literally means in the, in the original language, a way of escape, of safe retreat, so I might be, you might see me, but I've already got my way out, you might ask me to serve, but I've already got my response. 
You might ask me to be generous, but I've already got my answer of why I can't. I've already got my way out. I've already got my safe retreat. You might ask me to begin to tell other people about Jesus. Maybe God would begin to ask me to share my life in such a way that somebody else's life could be impacted for eternity, but if I already got my way out, I've got my, it's my stronghold. It's the way that I take care of my pain. It's the way that I numb. It's the way that I I care for myself because I can't trust anybody else to care for me. It's my stronghold. Verse 3, look at this. It says, so it was whenever Israel had sown, whenever they planted, whenever they had given, whenever they put seed in the ground, the Midianites would come up and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. So a few verses later, verse 6, So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel started crying out to God. God, every time we plant, uh, we put corn in the ground, or we put wheat in the ground, or we, or, or we plant vegetables, every time we do, we plant, we, we plant grapes, and we have our, our vineyard and all of our, you know, our trees, we plant trees and the fruits on the trees. Every time it's time for harvest for us to go and pull that avocado off the tree, pull that mango off the tree, I've got uh, plantains at my house, like, I don't even have, it's numerous, I just cut another one down, like, every time I go, I go, I saw it, it was ready to cut down, the next day I go to cut it, and it could be gone, because the Midianites, the thieves would come, and they would, they would take it, they would run, and the Israelites were left with nothing, so that where we find, where we find Gideon, the second place that we find him, not only is he living in a culture of fear, but he's living in abject poverty, Whenever they would sow, plant, give, expecting to harvest, the enemy would come, and they would use it up, leaving them with nothing. I mean, imagine you're, you're sowing, you're giving. Every time it would happen, every time that they would use their gift, every time that they would put something, expecting that they were going to get a harvest, every single time, the enemy would come and steal it. They literally lived in abject poverty, hiding out. Crevices in the ground, caves, strongholds, way of escape, culture of fear, and then no provision. Every time I get paid, it seems like it's gone. Every time I look for it, every time I, I, I invest a little bit, and it, it's gone. I got nothing left. I'm, I'm living from paycheck to paycheck. I tried that thing, and it didn't work. I tried that thing, and it didn't work. They're abject poverty, no way of caring for themselves. This is where he's, he's living. Look what it says in verse 11. Now it starts getting a little good. We, we, see, we see Gideon struggling with himself. He's struggling with his culture. He's struggling with his world, and he's in poverty, but God doesn't leave him that way. The children of Israel start crying out to God for help, and God is so gracious and kind, he answers them. Every time we cry out to God, when we're finally at a place of God, I can't do it on my own. I, I, I'm done with, I love that mess. I'm done with self-righteousness. I'm, I'm done with, with just trying to care for myself, and I'm done with it. God, would you come and help me? God always answers. He never leaves us alone. He never leaves us in fear. He never leaves us in abject poverty. So now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezite, while his son Gideon, now look at this, and I underline this in my notes, threshed wheat in the winepress, threshed wheat in a winepress. In order, he did that in order to hide it, from the Midianites. What's the third thing of how we find Gideon? We find him in a culture of fear. We find him in abject poverty. But the third thing is we find him hiding and misusing his gifts and talents. This does not look like a conquering warrior to me. Does it? 
He's so afraid of the other army, the Midianites, that he's hiding in a wine press. Wine press is it's covered, it's hard. You would go in and, and, and this is where you would crush the grapes. There's no wind blowing through there at all. And it's in that place. It's not the place that you would thresh wheat. It's a completely opposite type of place. But it's surrounded in such a way that they can't see what he's doing. He's able to hide there. So he's taking finally some fruit that he does have, some wheat that he can begin to feed himself, but he's in the wrong place. He needs a, he needs a, 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 a little bit of wind that when he would throw the wheat up in a certain way, that the chaff, the other particles would blow off. The wheat was heavier and the wheat would fall, but the, the chaff, the other particles, the, the debris would blow off and he would have his wheat. But he, he, ha- he was in a place where he could not get the wind of the presence of God to blow through his life and to blow out the chaff of his life because he's hiding himself hiding his talents, hiding his gifts because he's afraid of what it'll look like. He's afraid that if he actually shows his giftedness and his talents that someone would rob it from him. Someone would take advantage of him. And why would he think that? Because it happened before. And I'm curious, I'm wondering how many of us in in this room right now that there was a place in our life, there was a point in time when we took some chances with our gifts. We took some chances with our our talents, the things that we do well. And we were willing to share it with somebody else. And they took advantage of us. And they robbed us. And they abused us. And now we're in hiding. And we're so gifted. And God's just trying to get us to a place where the breath of his his presence can kind of blow through our life and blow off that chaff, that, that, those particles, that debris, the hurts and the wounds and the pain. But Gideon wasn't there. He was hiding, trying to thresh wheat in a wine press. Where else do we find him? Look at this, verse 12. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and says to him, So, the, so God shows up, finds Gideon hiding finds him hiding again. Maybe if you were to picture yourself right now, if you were to say, all right, who am I? Where am I in the timeline of Gideon's life? Are, are you, would you say, I'm the, I'm the warrior. I am, I am fearless right now. I am, I'm willing to step out of face an innumerable army with just a few things and a few tools that they don't even look like the right weapon. They're not weapons. They don't look like what I should have in my hands, but it's what God told me to have in my hands. And I'm just, okay, God, I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. Is that you? Are you back here like, no, I'm not sure. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hiding out a little bit and, and I, I'm surrounded by fear and I don't really have enough means to make that happen. And, and I'm not sure. I kind of used my talents before I offered my gift before. And it was kind of like, oh no, well, your gift's not ready or whatever you might've heard, whatever the things, whatever the response was, where do you find yourself? Because here's, here's Gideon. He's had these experiences and God shows up and God's about to speak to him. And I believe God's about to speak to you. Because the Lord shows up and appears to him and says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, mighty woman of God. The Lord is with you, talented woman of God. The Lord is with you, gifted man of God. The Lord is with you, honorable, holy man of God. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, mighty woman of God. The Lord is with you, strong and courageous. The Lord is with you, profitable. The Lord is with you, spirit-filled man of God, full of the word, full of the power, full of the Holy Spirit. The the Lord is with you, mighty man of faith. Who's he talking to? Did Gideon look like a mighty man of valor? He's hiding out. 
full of fear, not using his gifts. I mean, we love to look at somebody, oh, you're so talented. The way that you led worship, you're so skillful at editing videos. You're so good at, at, at leading the, our groups and our kids. You're so gifted the way that you, just, you have such a gift. So we see gifts and we're drawn to it and we love to call it out. But our God looks at somebody that's seemingly giftedness without a gift and looks at them like, you're so gifted. I call you gifted, mighty woman of God. I call you talented, mighty woman of God. I call you full of power, mighty woman of God. Mighty man of valor? Who are you talking to? And that's exactly Gideon's response. What would you say if the Holy Spirit rolls up in front of you in your fear, in your sin, in your poverty, in your lack, and begins to call things out of you, to call things that be not as though they were? When you talked about us confessing God's word, what happens when God starts confessing his word over you? What would you say to him? Mighty woman of God, you don't, what do you, you don't know me. What are you talking about? You don't know what I just did. You don't know what I'm thinking about doing. And you call me what? Where was Gideon? Now, Gideon could be in church like this right now, hiding in his little, his little trench, hiding in plain sight, hiding, trying to thresh his wheat in a wine. He could, he could be right here right now. And just like many of us, maybe we have a plan after this to go do something that if church was after, we'd really feel like we needed to repent before we went to church again. Like, where, where's Gideon about to go? Because the angel of the Lord shows up, and Jesus speaks to him, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. If, if the angel of the Lord was to stand in front of you right now and just say, the Lord is with you. Could you agree? Or would you just like, ah, sounds good, but I don't feel like he's with me because I'm having to kind of hide out a little bit over here because there's too many enemies. I've been hurt too many times. I don't, I don't have what I need. If, if God was with me, wouldn't I have what I needed? You're telling me he's with me. I, I I don't feel like he's with me. Mighty man of valor. <laughs> That's not how Gideon saw it. Look at this. Verse 13. I think Gideon's, you know, probably a lot like, I think I would respond maybe a little bit like Gideon here. I wish I wouldn't. I want to say I wouldn't, but I think I probably would. He's like, so Gideon says, oh, my Lord. <laughs> right? Like, who are you talking to? Oh, my Lord. If, if the Lord is with us, why? Why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? So where do we find Gideon? We find him surrounded in fear, right? We find, in this culture of fear, we find him, he's hiding out. He's, he's in abject poverty. He's, he's misusing his gifts. The fourth thing that we find is he's questioning and doubting. Questioning and doubting. The angel of the Lord. Now, I've never seen an angel other than Pastor Juliana, like outside of her. Am I right? I'm right. I've never, I've never, had, I've never had the Spirit of God walk up, the angel of God walk up and step in front of me and just say, hey, here I am. <laughs> here I am, angel of the Lord, mighty man of... I've never had that happen. I've never seen an angel. 
I've, I've, never, I've never had that happen. I've been in rooms where I've, I've sensed the presence of God, but I've never seen Jesus in his physical flesh stand before me. I've never seen a miracle like that. I've seen miracles of healing, and I've seen people healed right before my very eyes, which is inspiring and encouraging. But when I'm struggling in abject poverty and in fear, and I'm hiding out, maybe trying to cover up my sin, and and I'm afraid to use my gifts again because they got abused before, and I hear somebody speaking truth over me immediately, if, if you're like me, you probably are, if you've had all of those experiences in life, and someone starts to start, you know, speaking truth to you, I think we probably all question just a little bit, wouldn't you? What, what do you mean, mighty, mighty man? Of what, what, if, I'm a, if God's with me, why is all this happening? Where, where's all, you, you're saying, where is it? Where is all this stuff you're talking about? He's like, he questions. Now, here's what's interesting. Because he's questioning Jesus' integrity. Because Jesus said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. He's like, no, he's not. You're a liar, Jesus. Because if you were telling the truth, if, why, where, he blames blames God for his trouble. Look what he says. I mean, he's just, if, where's all the gifts? Where's all the miracles? Where's all the good stuff? Look how, look at the response. But now the Lord has forsaken us. He's delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Because he's got a little bit of trouble, because he's experienced hardship, he thinks that God has forsaken him because life got a little bit difficult. Because the enemy, the Satan, Paul said that he's the little G of this world, walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The thief comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy. You know what he wants to steal? He wants to steal the word of God out of your life. Because if he can steal the word of, all, uh, the word of God out of your life, it'll, it'll the steal, he wants to steal it. He wants to kill your faith because faith comes by the word, from hearing the word and hearing by, So if he steals the word of God, he kills your faith. And then what does that do? It destroys your relationship with God because it's impossible to please God without faith. For those that come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I can't come to you. If you've stolen the word, you've killed my faith and you've destroyed my relationship with God. So Gideon goes off on the angel of the Lord. Many actually think this was Jesus coming in the flesh. Angel of the Lord is actually, it's capitalized. Angel and Lord are capitalized in this because the, the, those, the translated of the scripture believe that this was actually Jesus coming. So Jesus rolls up in front of you, finds you hiding, not using your gift, gets eye to eye with you in your pain, in your struggle, in your poverty, in your brokenness, in your weakness. He's eye to eye with you. Might even grab you by the shoulders for a moment. He says, I'm with you. And you are mighty. I'm here. You are holy. I'm here. You are pure. I'm here. I'm with you. You are strong, courageous. I'm here. I'm with you. You're gifted. You're of high value. You're priceless. I'm here. I'm with you. You matter. You have what it takes. I'm here. I'm with you. So guess what? You're going to be able to do great things because I'm here and I'm with you. 
Mighty man of God, mighty woman of God. That's what the angel of the Lord is saying. And Jesus, when Gideon comes against him, Jesus doesn't even flinch. I love it. He's not moved by it. He's not, he's not shocked. I don't know about you, but when we get shocked, our eyes go, right? I send that emoji all the time to my kids like, what are you doing right now? What did you just say to me? Who do you think you are? <laughs> Jesus isn't moved. His, his eyes don't get bright. He doesn't kind of need a deep breath. <sighs> he, he's not, it doesn't shock him. It doesn't move him. It doesn't, whatever Gideon said to him, Jesus knew where it was coming from. He was not moved by it. You know what? Jesus isn't moved by your doubts. Your doubts, your fear, your questioning, they don't shock him. He's heard it all. He's seen it all. It doesn't bother him. He, he wants us to be honest. He wants us to get it out. Wait a second. Wait, if that's all, because it's just a conversation between you and him. It's not like Gideon went and told everybody else that Jesus was a liar and had no integrity. He didn't do that. He's just in a conversation wrestling down. You just said to me something that I'm not seeing happen. Can you help me just a little bit more, Jesus? Can you help me? Can you explain? But Jesus isn't moved. Look at this, verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? He just said he doesn't believe you, Jesus. And now you're telling him to go in this might of his? What might is his? He has no might. He's hiding out. He's afraid. Jesus, I don't have, you're telling me to go in my might? I don't have any might. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midians. Have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? I know, I know it's been hard. I know the enemy has wreaked havoc on your life. I know you've had to hide. I know you've had strongholds in your life. I know you've been in darkness. And I know you haven't had all that you've needed to make ends meet. And it's been a struggle. And you feel like you are in abject poverty. I get it. I know it. I've seen it. But you've cried out to me. And so here I am to answer your cry. You've prayed. And here I am to answer your prayer. I'm here now with you, mighty man, mighty woman of God. I'm not moved by it. So I want you to go in this might of yours. Have I not sent you? Verse 15. So he says to him, oh, my Lord. He says it again, getting so good. Oh, my are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Oh, my Lord. How, if, why, where? All these doubts. But then he asked, all right, hold on a second. How's this going to happen? How, how are we going to do this? I, 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 I'm not sure where you've been, but now you're telling me to go in this might of mine? How can I save Israel? Picture yourself for a moment in this. Listen to this. My family. Have you seen my family? It's the weakest. Have you, have you seen? Have, okay, Jesus, I know you've seen everything. You've met my mom and dad, like you've met my parents. Like, have you seen my brother? <laughs> have you seen my sister? Do you have any idea? Like, my family is so jacked up. Have you met my grandparents and my great-grandparents? Like, our family lineage is not ones of mighty men or women of God at all. Like, my family doesn't follow Jesus at all. That's what he's saying. Like, you, what you're asking me does not make sense. Have you met, like, my family is the weakest, but he doesn't stop there. Look what he says about himself. And I'm the least. My family's jacked up, and I'm the worst one. So how is this going to happen? 
Here's the fifth thing that we find with Gideon, where we find him. Again, we, we saw earlier that he's this conquering warrior. How, how did he get there? Because right now we find him insecure and with identity issues. I mean, is this not a picture of so many of us? Is this not a picture out of at least one of the five, not a picture of us, maybe surrounded with a culture of fear? I mean, we're just struggling with it, abject poverty, hiding our gifts and our talents. I mean, does this not look like, have we not found ourselves at some point in time in some of these places of, of where Gideon is finding himself right now? And here he is, insecure, and with, he's got family of origin baggage. Anybody got daddy issues besides me? I got daddy issues. I'll just be honest with you. I got daddy issues. I got some mama issues, too. I found some of those recently. I got some mama issues. My brother, I got brother issues. Anybody got sibling issues? Come on, people. Are you, don't, hey, you know what? We're in church. Don't be lying right now. Don't be lying. Right? We got, we got issues. I mean, if you don't think you have issues, guess what? That's your issue. <laughs> we, we're nasty. We're broken. We're hurting. Like, we're, we need Jesus. We're not, we're not pursuing Jesus because we have a perfect Jesus. He's come into our life, but we're walking out a life of holiness and, and, and sanctification. Like we're, we're growing in this. Not one of us is perfect. We never will be till, G, till we're, this is all done and sin's gone. And, and honestly, even for me, I believe heaven is going to be, we'll still be growing in heaven because our God is a God of multiplication. He can't help himself but to grow and increase and improve. And Gideon, he's so aware of his family baggage. He's so aware of his family history. Verse 16, and the Lord said to him, surely, I promise you, I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites. And look how he says it, as one. We know that it wasn't just an one person. It wasn't just that. It was, he was whole, as a whole person. So write this down, three things, three things that empowered Gideon to move from a conquered person to conqueror. Three things. Remember the verse we read? If the worship team could come up, that'd be awesome. If you want to get back in place, that's all right. Chapter 7. This is where we started. Then he divided the 300 into three companies. And he put a trumpet into every person's hand. An empty pitcher. And a torch inside the pitcher. Look at how he says it. If we read on, it says that he puts a trumpet in their right hand and he puts the jar in their left and inside the empty pitcher is a torch three things that you and I need number one we need a trumpet if you're going to move from someone that's just conquered all the time there's, there's never going to come a time, there's never going to be a point in your life where you're not going to be having to overcome 
family stuff, identity stuff, circumstances in your world that are just completely out of your control. Gideon had nothing to do with an army that was, he didn't cause that, an army that was ravaging his land. Every time he would sow something, every time he would plant something, every time he would invest something, every time he would start a new job, something happened and he, he just lost. That wasn't his fault. And there's, I'm just telling you, there are things that happen to us in life that we can wonder, God, if, if you're with me, if you're for me, then why, why did that happen, God? Where, where, where's your help, God? You promised that you would be with me. And I just love that Jesus said, I'm, I'm here. I'm here right now. But if we're going to move from being conquered and living a victim's life to being victorious, to being a conquered individual, to being a conqueror, you're going to need a trumpet. And that trumpet represents praise. It represents a shout of praise. It represents victory. Not only was Jesus confessing victory over him, but he said, listen, if you're going to get this right, you're going to have to start confessing victory over yourself. You're going to have to start speaking what I'm telling you to speak. I called you a mighty man of valor. I called you a mighty woman of God. It's going to have to start coming out of your lips, not just a leader in your life, not just the word of God, but out of your own lips, you're going to have to begin to give a shout of praise and blow the trumpet in Zion and let a shout of victory that the warrior is here. I've stepped into my place and I'm going to fight for Jesus and I'm going to be victorious and I'm going to be the man of God or I'm going to be the woman of God that God's called me to be because he said it, I believe it, and I'm going to step into it and I'm going to blow that trumpet. I'm going to blow the, the horn of victory. The shofar is what it says. It was a ram's horn and, he, and when he blew, it was just victory resounded all around. How do just a few affect a multitude with a shout of praise? Not just a loud shout, but something that comes from the spirit of faith on the inside of you. Gideon began to believe what Jesus was saying about him. And when he blew the trumpet, when they shouted the shout of praise, victory came with the second thing that you and I are going to need is we are going to need an empty, broken pitcher. An empty, broken pitcher. You and I, us, our, our lives are the, represent the pitcher. It was a clay pitcher. Fragile. Jesus doesn't want your, your whole pitcher. Jesus was like when, when Gideon said to him, how could this be? I'm the weakest. My clan, my family's messed up. And he says to him, surely I'll be with you. What Jesus is saying simply, listen, I don't need you to be anything. Jesus doesn't need you to be anything. He simply needs us to believe and obey. Jesus, he's, I think he looked at Gideon like he looks at me. He goes, I know your family's a mess. I've known them longer than you have, right? I know, I know where you come from. And I know you're broken. But Jesus looks at Gideon and says, I don't need you full of yourself. I, I wait till I get it all together. Wait till I get myself together. No, no, no. I don't need you full of yourself. I need you empty and broken. God has Gideon put the torch inside the pitcher and then breaks the pitcher. I need you empty so I can place the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. I need you broken so that the light of the Holy Spirit can shine. Because if you're all together, got it all together, you don't represent me very well. You walk in pride. You walk in arrogance like you've got it all figured out. I need you broken. I need you aware of your weaknesses, but I need you open for me to place my Holy Spirit on the inside of you so you can shine bright and be victorious. That's what Jesus needs from us. That's what he needs from us.
And that's exactly what he did. An empty pitcher and a torch. Jesus moved Gideon from a conquered man to a conqueror with a trumpet, with an empty broken pitcher, and with a torch. And he wants to do the same thing in you and I right now. Would you stand your feet with me? Let's open up our hearts to him right now in this moment. Jesus, would you have your way in us? Would you have your way in us? Would you move mightily in us right now? Jesus, have your way. What's your excuse? What's your excuse from not being a conqueror? What is your excuse right now? Would you allow Jesus to stand in front of you? Allow him to, to call some things out of you right now. You might be in fear. It might be how you've been raised, just surrounding a culture of fear. You might be just hiding out. Maybe there's some sin. Maybe there's some shame. Maybe there's some past, and you've been kind of hiding in plain sight. Jesus wants you to stand up so that he can look you eye to eye tonight. Maybe you're in darkness. Maybe you're in a stronghold. He wants to break you free. Would you let him speak to you tonight? Would you let him make eye contact with you? Would you let him speak to you? Maybe he catches you off guard with mighty woman of God, mighty man of God, and you're like, Jesus, I, you know I'm not. You know I'm not. When you say you know I'm not, Jesus, guess what he says? But I'm with you. I know you're not, but I am, and I am with you. I'm with you. Just sing that out. Let's worship him. Undefeated. Yes, amen. Undefeated. Every battle is second hold on a second right now I think some of us need to take a step just a step just a step a step of saying okay I'm gonna agree with Jesus I'm going to agree I'm gonna take a step of saying okay I'm I'm open to that Jesus okay I'm open as long as you he promises to go with you surely I'm with you I'm going with you would you let him heal you tonight would you let him heal your past? Would you let him replace all of that fear with a trust in God like never before? Would you let him heal those broken places? Would you let him come in and heal the things that you've been hiding from? Would you let him come in and forgive you for the things that you've been hiding from? Would you let him speak truth to you tonight? Let him do that. Just take a step. Maybe it's a, a step forward. Maybe it's finding somebody that you need to confess something to them. Maybe it's asking somebody to pray for you, but you can make your way up front, make your way to the altar. It's just saying, I'm, I'm taking a step to him. Maybe it's that sort of a step that you need to take. 
Or maybe you've, you've done that. I, I, I've kind of, I've repented. I know who I am in Christ, but I'm, I still don't feel like that, that mighty warrior. Maybe Jesus is asking you to take a step tonight with a trumpet and with a broken pitcher and with a torch. Maybe Jesus wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fill your life with his power and his presence and his torch and his flame. Would you let him do that tonight? Let him minister to you tonight. so hard to see took me so long to believe it that you choose someone like me to carry your victory perfection could never end you give what we don't
do this. I want to say, can we get real soft? Can we get real soft just for a moment? I want you to let him whisper to you now. Let him whisper to you. Sometimes it's easy to be moved by the loud and the... Just let him whisper to you. Kind of picture yourself in that wine press trying to thresh wheat. Wheat needs just a little bit of wind, just a, a little bit of breath, just a little bit to clean it just a whisper to clean it, a whisper just to remove some of the leftover debris. We're like, we've already, we've, we've reaped the harvest. We pulled the wheat up. We have the harvest in our hands, but it's, it's not finished yet. And to finish the harvest just needs just a breath of wind. Let them whisper to you. Spirit of the living God, whisper to us right now. Whisper to us. The whisper of heaven, just whisper. Just let him whisper. What do you need to hear him say? Whisper means he's got to be so close that only you can hear it. Only you can hear it. He's just whispering. 